Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. This is an upgraded and reworked combined episode of Bulletproof Radio full of details about technology and gear that help you vastly improve the quality of your sleep. This is the episode for you. Sleep, we all want a piece of it. Either you're getting some or you're not. I've shared with you all the ways that I hacked my own sleep and how it changed my life and how I'm up to the point where I can get about two hours of deep sleep and two hours of REM sleep in six hours, which has been really transformative for how I feel, even how I look. On the show, I've brought in top sleep experts to share their research and offer up some really solid hacks you can use. And since sleep is one of the things I get asked about the most, I just created a multimedia sleep series as part of Better Sleep Month, although frankly, every month should be Better Sleep Month. So I've chosen the most compelling and useful interviews from Bulletproof Radio, the coolest articles from the blog, and a batch of different videos. Each week, I'm going to bring you the best Bulletproof tips and tools for sleep that I know how to gather so you can start sleeping better. Get hooked up with sleep on the blog at blog.bulletproof.com and check out dave.asprey on Instagram where I post all the good stuff. So listen on, read on, and get your own piece of the night. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Today's guest is Harpreet Rai, the San Francisco-based CEO of Aura Health, a company that developed the Aura Ring. You might have seen me on social media wearing a distinctive-looking shiny black ring, and I've never been a fan of wearing rings because they tend to get in the way unless they're doing something really valuable. I was CTO of one of the wristband sleep tracking companies called Basis uh, that was acquired by Intel a while ago. And I've been tracking my sleep very carefully for more than a decade because it's allowed me to write some of the very first blog posts about how to hack your sleep, how to take control of your sleep, how to get more out of the amount of time you spend with the lights out and your eyes closed. 
And for me, the pain point has been wearing an ugly headband uh, that my wife didn't really like, or a chest strap, or even a wristband that didn't get great data. And there's been an evolution in the technology of that. And when I saw the Aura Ring about five years ago, I got really excited because it's a ring that does all the tracking that I was hoping to do with these other devices. And I've been using one for quite a while. So I wanted to bring Harpreet on to talk about what they're doing, to talk about what heart rate variability does to help you control your sleep, know how well rested and recovered you are. And he was nice enough to come and meet with me live at Alpha Labs so we can get deep on sleep circadian rhythms and why Harpreet believes that sleep is the foundation of your body and your mind instead of coffee. Harpreet, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. It's, uh, it's awesome to be here. And honestly, uh, just gratitude also as a listener. Uh, the information you put out there just helps people learn um, every day. Harpreet, you've been uh, in investment banking, you've been an entrepreneur, and you decided to join and lead Aura, given a bunch of different things you could have done. What made you decide you wanted to focus on sleep? I think sleep is honestly one of the greatest biohacks or biggest performance enhancing thing that you can do. Um, I think in today's society, it's harder to get sleep. I think, you know, we're constantly being pinged by our phones, pinged by social media, you know, there's Netflix, there's all these things to sort of distract you from it. Um, but I do think sleep is the foundation of our health and the foundation of our body and mind. All right, that was a great PR canned answer. But here's the deal, man. Sleep kind of sucks. And sleep has pissed me off for years because it keeps taking away time from stuff that I want to do that seems like it's higher value. Yeah. And I've had to change my perspective on sleep from screw that noise, I don't want to do it, and I'm not going to do it. And you can get away with that when you're young, especially, and just say, I'm just going to soldier through. And you do have a performance decline when you can measure on various tests of executive function, short-term memory, things like that. Uh, but you can also learn the way Navy SEALs do uh, to be resistant to lack of sleep, to perform well, even if you're tired, by taking certain functions from your conscious brain and sort of making them go into automatic mode, reducing load on the brain, uh, taking modafinil like I did for eight years. Uh, which, by the way, is a heck of a way uh, to handle a poor night's sleep. But I also realized every time someone says, you should get eight hours of sleep. I'm like, yeah, I tried that. I didn't feel that much better. And the ROI on the extra two hours of sleep, I sleep six hours and five minutes. Yeah. It just never seemed like it was there. So you're saying, yeah, sleep is the foundation. Sleep is good. We all heard we should sleep eight hours a day. Our mom told us that when we were five. But what's different? Like, what's new about sleep that we didn't know before? Sure. Um, I think what's new about sleep is a ton. Um, so it's not just the length, as you mentioned, but it's actually the quality of sleep. So we can, and some people, I would say two thirds of the population do get eight hours of sleep, but the quality of the sleep is actually probably what's lacking. And I think it's this quality of sleep that we're learning more and more about as a society. You know, how much deep sleep do we need? How much REM sleep do we need? What do those two different things even do to our body and our mind? And Having information on sort of seeing, you know, the different choices you make during a day, you know, what time you eat when you have that last cup of decaffeinated bulletproof coffee <laughs> can can have an impact on your sleep. And so I think learning how, you know, you decide to make these choices on when you exercise, when you eat, what supplements you take, when, which supplements are the most effective. A lot of these things can be reflected in your sleep and the quality of your sleep. I found that they're really highly individualized. And a lot of my work in Headstrong and even the early blog posts on Bulletproof have been around 
here's the biochemical explanation given what we know, which is a very small amount of what we will know about the human body. And so given this, this ought to work, let me test it for my sleep. Let me test it on a few friends for their sleep. And then writing hacks about uh, using raw honey uh, before bed. Uh, and the Bulletproof blog was the first one to do that. And then a lot about lighting in the room. What actually happens if I black things out obsessively? And it turns out I noticed massive changes on my score in sleep. And if I had a few LEDs on or the curtains cracked, I didn't sleep as well, even though I still slept the same amount. And so I started sharing that knowledge. Uh, but this was from the perspective of you know, a, a biohacker. You've got a substantial amount of data. Can you disclose how much data you have in the Aura database on sleep? Oh, we haven't disclosed that yet, but well, it's you... come on, just do it now. <laughs> I actually am trying to think because it's, you know, the numbers are growing every day. Yeah, you can ballpark it. <laughs> um, you know, the company started five years ago and our Gen 1 ring, you know, some of the first shipments probably have made two and a half to three years ago. And so, you know, the amount of nights that we have seen cumulatively on, you know, what we consider pretty highly accurate data, um, yeah, has been tremendous over the years. It's got to be hundreds of thousands of hours. Oh, yeah. Or yeah, millions. tens of millions of hours. Yeah. Um, we, we haven't disclosed how much, and unfortunately, I'm not going to disclose it today. But I will but you say... you could. You're just not going to <laughs> because you lack respect for Bulletproof Radio? No, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's <laughs> I'm, not just, I'm just teasing you. <laughs> um, no, I think um, we will actually be releasing a lot more of this data and actually sharing the data from different cohorts of people. And And frankly, even one of the things you brought up in the past, trying to show sort of tags of people and certain things that they're doing in their data. So you will be seeing this self manifest, seeing these thoughts, you know, manifest itself uh, in something in the Aura community. Uh, and that's to, that's going to be, you know, coming soon. I just don't want to spoil it for everyone. I totally get it. Uh, so based on the data, who sleeps better, men or women? Oof, actually, mostly women. So women have an unfair advantage for sleep. <laughs> um, I don't exactly want to say that, but yeah, the data would indicate yes. Okay, why? Hmm. Um, you know, look, I think a lot of probably, a lot of it has to do with just, you know, the type A personalities we probably have in our database. Um, we do have more men, so that probably skews the data. But I also think, you know, men are probably drinking more. Uh, they're probably eating later. Um, you know, I think they they tend to work uh, sometimes way late into the night, which can disturb their sleep. Um, women do those too, but we just don't see it at the same numbers. Um, you know, I would, I would actually ask you, you know, from all your experience in tracking sleep over the last, you know, 10 years, 10 plus years, uh, why do you think men sleep poor? I don't know that my experience is that men sleep more poorly than women. You have more data than I do, yeah. but I find sleep problems are very different. Uh, so you don't see nearly as many men who say, I wake up between 3 and 5 a.m. and I can't go back to sleep. Yeah. That tends to be a problem with women. Sure. Right. And that is usually a blood sugar regulation issue. And it can actually change based on monthly cycles. Yeah. Right. And then women tend to be negatively impacted by long term unending ketosis or intermittent fasting every single day instead of doing an alternating schedule um, the way I recommend in, in most of my books. And there, if your blood sugar crashes in the middle of the night, the brain says, well, I need some glucose here. Especially if you have no ketones present, you didn't get a little bit of brain octane before bed, or you're not fat adapted. When you run out of energy, the brain says, okay, doing sleep is mission critical. And if I have no energy, the organism's at risk. I know a really fast way to make glucose. Let me secrete adrenaline and cortisol. Yep. And when you do that, it has the great effect of turning muscle into glucose. 
And there you go, brain's happy. I got glucose. And you're sitting there going, why can't I go back to sleep? It's because you just got stress hormones to stabilize your blood sugar. And for more women than men, that trick of one to two teaspoons of raw honey, not cooked honey. And by the way, if you put raw honey in your hot tea, it's not raw anymore. Uh, but uh, so I'm just eating on a spoon and do that right before bed and brush your teeth and all that. And that tends to solve that problem. Or uh, for some portion of men and women, they can do collagen and brain octane. And that combination can be very calming. And this is because glycine, the amino acid in uh, in collagen, the primary amino acid, unlike muscle protein, uh, can be calming and relaxing. At least I think that's why it works. Yeah. And so it's kind of funny. You can do that. And that's a bioenergetic problem. And there's also... Uh, depending on kids, if you have mommy brain, yeah, uh, guys don't normally get this. And so if you have young children in the house, mother nature wires women to wake up at the slightest sound because it could be a tiger eating your baby. And this is really useful if you live in a cave or on the savanna, and it sucks if you have kids under two or maybe even five years old because it's just going to happen. So then quiet in your room is really important. Oh, but you're in a city. You probably won't get that. So then I recommend tracking your sleep so you know how many times you're waking up that you may not notice. Uh, and there, of course, the aura ring is, is fantastic. And I also recommend uh, things like Sonic Sleep, which is an app that measures the sound level uh, in your room and then makes white noise based on the volume of level in your room. And then when you're in deep sleep or REM sleep, it makes changes to the sound to cause you to get more REM sleep and more deep sleep. And that's one of those, I don't, a couple bucks for the app sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and I use that when I'm traveling, especially. Like, so you do the same thing. And so that's another area where like, okay, what's going on with men versus women? Is it a noise thing? Is your brain primed because of hormones? Do you have some other dysfunction or maybe it's just bright lights, which I think affects men more than women, right? Yeah. Um, actually, that is one thing we have seen in our data that men do tend to have actually, it seems like more sensitivity to light. Um, what we do find though from actually the women in our database is they tend to go to sleep at a more consistent time, ironically than men. I don't know if it's that they're more maybe in tune with their bodies or listening to it more. Um, and part of it just has to do with the demographic of our user. We probably have women that are slightly older and past their first child. Um, so, you know, they're probably just in more of a schedule. Um, and part of the problem is we probably have, you know, like so many listeners on this audience on the male side, um, you know, men who are pretty focused type A personalities, you know, will work hard into the late into the night and wake up in the morning and work out. So some of it can always be skewed just by the data we have based on our user base. But there's, there's tons of interesting, interesting you know, I think, you know, correlations and tidbits that we'll be releasing in the future through the app. In the early generation of you know, the first Fitbit, the basis wristband uh, where I was CTO, that was, you know, CrossFitters and marathoners and, and heavy duty athletes coming in first as early adopters. And I think for sleep tracking, we've all heard, oh yeah, you should get eight hours of sleep. It turns out the data doesn't support that from big studies, but you should get quality sleep until you're rested and your heart rate changes. And I think that's crossed over from crazy biohacker early adopters into, wait a minute, if there's one thing I could do today in order to feel better, it would be sleep better instead of exercise more. Yeah. Um, look, I think the stats actually speak for themselves, right? You know, 15% of the population works out on a weekly basis, but 99.9% .9 of the population is sleeping on a daily basis. 
And, um, you know, that sleep that you get every night, whether you're going to work out or not work out the next day is going to have a huge impact on how you feel, how you perform mentally, emotionally, and physically. So I think, uh, you know, one of the reasons we focused on sleep too, is that sleep ends up being a leading indicator and sometimes activity can be a lagging indicator, right? Um, if you get enough sleep and your heart rate variability is high, right. And you're, you're in that parasympathetic state, you're going to perform better in activity the next day. Right. Um, and there's numerous studies that actually show that. So I think, you know, trying to get people on this mentality of focusing on tomorrow today, right. By focusing on sleep first, right. Gets you ready in this mindset for what's going to happen tomorrow. I would support that. And uh, in, in my own experience, and it's really easy to say, you know, Wednesday is when I've scheduled my heavy workout for the week. And if you've read the recommendations in the Bulletproof Diet and all high-intensity interval training once or twice a week. So you've got it scheduled. You're meeting your friends. You're going to go do something that makes you cry for 15 minutes, and then you're done. Uh, but if you got crap sleep the night before, you actually will be better off standing on the sidelines and cheering your friends on. Exactly. And taking it easy. Yeah. And, and that is not something that's convenient to schedule ahead of time. And if you thought you're, you were going to get a great night's sleep and something, even if you don't know what, just jack that up, you might wake up and say, oh, I'm a little tired, but I'm just going to shake it off. But if the data that I see on my phone when I wake up says, God, I didn't recover last night, even though I wanted to. And, oh, I'm just going to go whack myself over the head with heavy exercise today. It doesn't give you the return on investment in the time and energy spent exercising. Exactly. You're better off to get a massage. Yeah. Um, look, I think um, matching sort of load and recovery is one of the hardest things or has been one of the hardest things for people to do. I, I think you're seeing this now in the pro athlete world. And obviously, you know, you know, a bunch of people there as well. And they're starting to get smarter about, OK, football players had a tough game on Sunday. Does it really make sense for them to come back in? They were on the road. You know, they had a game that went into overtime. They got beat up and have them hit deadlifts the next day. Probably not. They're, you know, their nervous system's fried, right? They're probably in a sympathetic state, right? Their, you know, circadian rhythm is thrown off by the travel. And so I think what you're starting to see is people realize that, wait, I, you know, I want to break down that muscle. I want to work out hard, but the time to do that is actually when I'm most recovered. That's when I'm going to get the best ROI. I was really impressed when Nick Foles came on the podcast and talked about being a Super Bowl MVP, but his recovery stuff was at least as obsessive as what I do at, at Bulletproof Labs. And we even started uh, the Bulletproof Upgrade Labs and spun it out as a new company because I think recovery is as important as exercise and no one recovers without sleep. So you see pro athletes come in, even some of the WWE pro wrestlers uh, like Nikki Bella, who's been on the show as well, talk about a hard life. They fly to a different city every night, every other night, and have these incredibly grueling bouts, and then they're on a plane doing it again 250 days of the year. Yeah. You want a crucible for human performance and recovery. It's at those extremes where you learn the most data, and I'm helping Nikki uh, with her recovery so she can be a, a better professional recovery artist so she can be better in the ring, and it it's fascinating because all of them, how do you sleep? And every single celebrity pro athlete, it's, it's jet lag, it's yeah. time zones. I just, I, I need more sleep or I need better sleep. Uh, so if they get their data and, and I usually recommend to, uh, to these types of people, you need to track this. It's not optional. Get a ring. Right. But when they get the data, what do they do with the data? What does anyone listening to the show who says, okay, I got a great night's sleep. What is what I do with that? Or I got a crap night's sleep. What do I do with that? Like what's actionable from this? 
Sure. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest questions in wearables. And frankly, I think focusing on sleep makes it a lot easier and understandable. So uh, what we're seeing is actually some of these, you know, we talk about sort of the pro athlete world, right? Their trainers are there helping them interpret the data. But I think we've made it pretty easy in the Aura app to look at it and say, hey, did I get a good night's sleep score? You know, we give you a number based on all the different characteristics we see during your sleep, right? Looking at your REM sleep, looking at your deep sleep, looking at the amount of time in bed versus, you know, the amount of time you're awake, how efficient you were. And, you know, we will actually tell you that, hey, your sleep score is really good today. Today's a good day to push yourself, right? And actually get some activity in. Or vice versa, you know, take today. I had to wake up pretty early to come out here to sunny, you know, sunny Vancouver Island. And, you know, unfortunately, um, because of that, I didn't get to bed early enough. I had a dinner meeting, unfortunately. And, you know, I only got six hours of sleep, actually more like five, right? <laughs> and for me, it's like, okay, my readiness score is low. My sleep score is low. Today is not a good day for me to exercise because I'm actually probably going to do more damage. And, you know, the science actually supports that, right? When we're getting less than six hours of sleep, right, our risk for injury goes up by over 50%, right? We know that if I'm not getting enough deep sleep, you know, might I probably don't have a high level of free testosterone that day, right? So I think we're seeing people take our data, take our scores, and adjust, honestly, how they train and what they do. And frankly, uh, because of things like upgrade labs, right, we're starting to see people go and spend more time on recovery, um, you know, spend time doing hyperbaric chambers, spend time doing float tanks, spend time doing, you know, IV therapy or even infrared light therapy. And I think as more and more of these things come out um, that help people actually recover, uh, we're just going to see, you know, that industry grow. I think if you look at sort of the sleep industry as a whole, it's now $40 billion, all the things that people are spending money on to help improve their sleep. And it makes a ton of sense, right? How you perform physically, how you perform cognitively, right, is all based on your sleep. What about weight gain and sleep? Talk to me about your own experience there. Oh, man. So, yeah, I graduated college. I did study electrical engineering, uh, you know, hardware engineer. Um, but I decided to go into Wall Street. You know, it was 2006. It was just getting to sort of the, you know, the peak um, right before, you know, the, the crash in 08. And um, I actually ended up going into investment banking, and I probably averaged about four hours of sleep a night. I came into investment banking weighing 140 pounds. Guess how much I weighed after one year? Uh, 200. 185. Wow. I almost put on a pound a week, almost. And I, I was eating less. Yes, I wasn't working out, but I was still eating pretty healthily, right? I, I'd have, you know, mainly keto diet, low carb, or at least paleo, Um but just by the lack of sleep, and we can talk about some of the hormonal stuff. I know. Yeah, yeah that'll be a ton of fun. But um, I just saw it in myself. I was literally gaining almost a pound a week. I mean, it's it's pretty infuriating to just all of a sudden be, you know, not really doing anything, not eating that poorly. Yes, I don't have the time to exercise because of my job at the time. But just gaining that weight was extremely frustrating. What I found and what the data supports is exercise really doesn't help you lose weight. Or if it does, it's very painful uh, because and you don't keep it off yeah. because of hormone changes. So you're nowhere near 185 pounds now uh, that you're carrying it pretty well. <laughs> uh, so you're not 140. Where are you now? Uh, I'm probably 150 right now. Okay. Yeah. So, so you. I'm also. You look healthy. 12 years older. <laughs> yeah, and 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 you're you're uh, you're way ripped, so it's all good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, you're, you're you look like you're in reasonable shape. Thank you. Right? And. What did you have to do? Clearly, four hours isn't enough, and I'll tell you my own four-hour night story. Sure. But uh, um, what? How did you shift from four? How much do you sleep? What was the effect on your weight when you did that? 
Yeah, I'm so, you know, after after that one year of actually starting, you know, and in the age of 22, seeing my hair gray and, and lose some hair. And most people probably can't tell uh, just because I, I wear a turban. Um, so, you know, but I was starting to lose some hair. I gained a ton of weight. Um, and honestly, my parents looked at me. They're like, are you sure you want to be doing this? Um, and they were absolutely right. So I, I did leave investment banking. I still went into a stressful job, but uh, at least started to get seven hours of sleep. Um, actually, you know, right around the same time. I started adopting a keto diet. Um, so back in 2009, 2010. Um, and frankly, I wish I'd known more because I would have done it, you know, more in cycles, but, um, you know, started doing keto, started doing bulletproof coffee, uh, you know, ended up working out not a ton, but at least, you know, three times a week, two to three times a week. And I just found that sleep became such a central part of my life that determined it determined how much I, you know, how I could work out the next day. It determined how I'd perform at my job the next day. And so for me, just honestly learning and having that experience with sleep and just sort of seeing that weight come off with almost less effort than I would have thought just because I was focused on sleep was a huge eye opener. The amount of sleep you get is well documented to, uh, to, to control how much fat you put on. When I finally perfected the Bulletproof Coffee recipe, I was just starting the company and I decided that I would do an experiment. And I was really, frankly, still kind of angry about the fact that I'd weighed 300 pounds and the fact that I'd exercised every day, six days a week for 18 months, hour and a half a day, yeah. went on a, a low calorie, low fat diet and still was fat and just fat and tired all the time. And, and I, uh, when I realized I could lose weight eating a lot more food and feeling good, I said, I'm just going to do an experiment for the blog. My son had just been born. So this is a really good time to do a sleep restriction experiment. And I said, I'm going to eat 4,500 calories a day, sometimes 5,000, sometimes 4,000, but an average of 4,500, way more. That's about twice what my body needs at my current, at least my heavily detailed quantified basal metabolic rate is 2,292 calories a day or kcals I burn. So I'm eating a lot. And I said, I'm going to double my calories, but I'm going to eat the Bulletproof diet because I'm writing this book on it. I'm doing the blog on it. And I'm going to restrict my sleep to always less than five hours a night. And the goal is four. Wow. And I said, well, and I'll use this extra time. Even though I'm a VP at a big company, I'll put it into the blog. I'll put it into Bulletproof into sharing all this knowledge that no one told me. Yeah. And the, I thought, okay, I'm going to gain three pounds. And the data is going to say I should have added 10 pounds, therefore calories in, calories out has some asterisks. So I stacked the deck against me. I took digestive enzymes to make sure I would absorb all the fat. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to gain me a few pounds. And I actually lost weight. Wow. And was really surprised at this because it should not have happened, but it did. And I ended up continuing that for a long period of time. And that said, my telomeres are probably shorter as a result of doing it. Yep. Uh, but I did start what's becoming a, a successful company while I was a VP and a new dad. <laughs> and it was a great use of time. And I felt energetic the whole time. There were times when I was tired and I just kind of power through it. Um, but it, it's doable. And, and what I realized over the course of time, I wrote about how do you squeeze every drop of sleep out of that four or five hours you're going yeah. to get. Uh, and became militant about every little thing. And since then, I've been tracking my sleep reliably for the past five years. And I get six hours and five minutes a night of sleep. I think I have in the latest thing about 1950 something days worth of data. Okay. And 
I was sort of thinking, all right, is this bad? But all my labs are getting better. I'm 11% body fat and, sure. and my energy is really good. It's better than a lot of the people who I work with or at least on par and I'm getting older, right? So what's going on there? I frankly think it's everything you've done to optimize your whole day and everything you do before you go to bed. Um, so I think part of it is, you know, you're wearing blue light blocking glasses, right? You're getting your body already primed to be the most effective when you go to sleep. You're doing things like a hyperbaric chamber, right? You're doing things like infrared therapy, you know, both at night and perhaps even in the morning. Oh yeah. Right. So I think, um, I I, I live at the first bulletproof labs, right? (laughs) Exactly. Alpha. So, um, I think, you know, what's great is you have, you know, you have found and discovered and brought all these different tools, right. To your audience on, on hacks that you've done to figure out how to optimize your sleep. So I, you know, modern, you know, modern man has access to these tools. You know, we didn't have access to most of the stuff, frankly, even 30, 20 years ago. Oh yeah. Right. So I think as more and more of these things get commercialized, you know, access is available right through things like upgraded labs. I think you're going to be able to, you know, people are going to be able to hack their sleep and get more and more efficient. Um, and I think that's going to work for a lot of people, you know, Everyone does react differently. Oh, yeah. I know you're a big believer in N of one, as am I. And so for some people, um, six hours of sleep and doing all these things uh, probably will help optimize the time in bed. And for others, they might find that actually like LeBron James or Tom Brady, where, hey, you know, given the, the high load that they have in their life, they actually need more. Right. So I think, um, you know, people, the hard thing is, how do you know what's working? How do you know what part of your diet's working? How do you know if, you know, honey is actually working for you before bed? And so you need access to that data to be able to see what's working, what's not. And, you know, we designed Aura literally for this, for people to figure out, yeah, yeah, I'm in a, you know, pretty, I would say, ambitious part of my career, right? I'm trying to, you know, run a startup. We have most of our team overseas, right? So for sure. Uh, I think, you know, I am probably getting less sleep on average than I used to, right? In the, you know, years prior to this. Um, that being said, the amount of things that I've learned and the amount of hacks that I've done as well, you know, have helped me really get a good quality six hours when I get it. One of the the blog posts that actually made people really mad in the early days of Bulletproof is, I might have chosen an inflammatory headline, but it was something like uh, 1.2 million people prove uh, that eight hours of sleep is too much or, or something along those lines. Sure. Uh, and I found a study where the data was collected in the 1980s and it was so much data they couldn't crunch it on 1980s computing. So they put it in a drawer and someone found the data and crunched it on modern compute. And it was the first study that allowed you to have granular data to see the difference in outcomes over even a half hour difference. And they found that the people who lived the longest slept six and a half hours a night. And people who sleep eight hours a night consistently die more than people who sleep seven hours a night. Yeah. And of course, the conclusion uh, that you could draw from that is clearly sleep less to live longer, which would be <laughs> uh, the wrong conclusion. Uh, but what I took away from that is that people who live the longest are the healthiest people and the healthiest people require less sleep because they require less recovery because they're not dealing with some chronic thing. They're just dealing with the stress of life and they probably have, you know, healthier, happier outlook on life. Their, their anxiety levels are lower and they're getting higher ROI on their sleep or they have a lower burden before they need to sleep. So for me, lowering the burden uh, was a, a big part of my practice there. And when I hear someone who says, I just can't get by without nine hours of sleep, it's possible there's a genetic thing going on or, or something like that. But the more likely thing is you're sick and you don't know it, know it. Yep. or 
you don't know how to get quality sleep. Yeah. Look, uh, I have a personal experience with that. Um, my girlfriend has Lyme disease and she was sleeping and always sleeping longer. You know, we've been dating for almost five years and she would always sleep longer than me, but yet wake up feeling like crap. Right. Uh, and basically when we started to look at her data, she had no deep sleep. Um, and you know, we went and got a full sleep test on, you know, we got it done at, um, I believe it was Cornell wheel. So, you know, great medical school. And what we found is actually, she has something called hypersomnia where she would fall asleep, you know, really, really quickly, uh, not actually fall into the correct, you know, cycles of sleep. And even though spending eight hours in bed plus every night, she woke up feeling tired and you were right. You know, it was because she was fighting something off that she didn't know about at the time. And so I, w- I would completely agree. I think it's a balance, you know, really what we're striving for at Aura is helping sort of balance this load and recovery. And that load can be sort of self-induced. It can be, you know, working out really, really hard. It can be working till 2 a.m. every night, trying to run a few companies, probably like, you know, like you've done at, at different points in your career. Um, or it could be actually that there's something, you know, not right, right? There could be a chronic disease that you're fighting, right? It could be some type of, you know, you know, in this case, let's say, you know, mold-related, you know, type infection. So I think um, having access to that data will let people sort of know is there something else going on with me? You know, how do you really know if you're sleeping better? Oftentimes, it's it's really hard to tell, right? You're 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 actually unconscious, right? When when you're sleeping, right. how, how do you know how you really feel? Um, you know, most of us like sort of guess based on how we feel the next day. And I think um, you know, the Pittsburgh sleep test, right? It done on the University of Pittsburgh, where that sort of qualitative assessment came in, has just been proven to be inaccurate, right? People don't really have good memory recall on how they slept. Yeah, you're just not going to be great when you wake up in the morning. Although I did find after a year or so of tracking my sleep with real data, I did learn how to correlate how I felt with the quality of my sleep. So I could wake up and say, based on how I'm feeling, here's what I think my sleep score on my aura ring would be. Yep. And you can be reasonably accurate Pretty close. because yeah. you're, you've learned. Yeah. Uh, what could people who don't want to go out and buy an aura ring do to more accurately gauge the quality of their sleep when they wake up? Hmm. I mean, there's different types of tests you can do. Um, I think, you know, some people and have been doing this that don't have an aura ring will do a heart rate variability test in the morning. Yeah. Um, I, you know, for your users who or your listeners who don't know, right, you put on a chest strap, um, you lay in bed, you know, for five to 10 minutes, right? And you use some type of app to connect that chest strap to, to your phone and get, you know, get an assessment of sort of where your HRV is. So th- that could be something. And some of the chest straps are cheaper than an aura ring. Some of them are 20 bucks. Yes. Yeah. In, in fact, in the Bulletproof Diet, which came out in, in 2014, in its first print before it went into paperback, uh, I had a heart rate variability based app because it can t- tell you the quality of your recovery and your sleep. It can also tell you uh, what's going on uh, after a meal if you eat something you're allergic to. Yeah. So there's all sorts of interesting data points there, but very few people are going to sleep with a chest strap on. It's, yeah. it's just not it's not something that will happen unless you're either an extreme high performer, a professional athlete type, or if you're really sick and you're desperate. Yeah. And, and I've never been a professional athlete. I like to think I'm a professional biohacker, but I've definitely been really sick yeah. uh, with Lyme disease, which comes as a result of toxic mold exposure and, you know, fibromyalgia and, and arthritis and high risk of heart disease, all these things, obesity. Uh, and having said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm done. It was that motivation that made me willing, be willing to sleep with a chest strap and all that. I just never liked it. And to be able to just have a ring that I don't notice, uh, that gives me better data than I was getting from that anyway, 
uh, because I actually use it. Whereas the other thing, going to bed, screw that noise, I won't do it tonight. Uh, so I, I'm grateful to have that ability. I just think about all the people who aren't going to go. Sure to go do that is there you know something to to pay attention to maybe here's a a hack that that i know definitely correlates with toxin exposure and very likely with uh with sleep is grip strength in the morning yeah so so when you wake up in the morning if your grip is weak you probably got bad sleep or you ate or breathed something the night before that messed with your system Uh, so you can get a digital uh grip strength gauge uh, which will do that. Uh, I have one, but that's a hundred bucks or something. And now you're like, okay, that's a pretty weak metric compared to a ring. And at least in my case, uh, it doesn't, uh, I pretty much max the thing out. Uh, and it says I have a strong grip for an 18 year old, but I'm, so I don't know that I'm getting good data anymore, but like, I, I'm N equals one, right? Uh, yeah. I think, you know, some of, uh, you know, actually some of our team, um, they do an orthostatic test in the morning. So, you know, checking sort of the heart rate change after you stand up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be one. And, uh, you know, I've seen people estimate that just by sort of counting their pulse yeah. as well. Uh, so, you know, there's things that you can do for that. Um, you, I mean, there are different sort of, uh, you know, CBT, um, type, you know, reaction time test also as apps. Uh, that's another thing that people do in the morning to sort of just test cognitive function. So, you know, that could be a quick hack, something that you try. Um, and, and frankly, I think a lot of it is, you know, you can just ask yourself over time, you know, and this does get harder in today's society, but how are you feeling every morning? And I think if you do that consistently, you take the time to do it. Um, you, you really have to look inward. Like if you're not feeling great and you have low energy, then okay, maybe you should start looking into this. You know, maybe that aura ring might be worth it. Or maybe you start doing an orthostatic test first, right? See if that data jumps out as irregular and then maybe decide, Hey, I should look into this further. And for the dedicated biohackers amongst our listener base, which is a minority of people, but there's lots of us out there, um, we'll totally do that because we're curious. Sure. But I like the idea of I put a ring on, I wake up in the morning, I get a sleep score that takes into account my heart rate variability, amount of sleep, and all the other data available and says, you're about this rested, your sleep was about this good, so use that and, and move forward. Um, when I compare that to the, the daily how am I doing metric, um, part of the the research that went into my new book, Game Changers, uh, that is on Amazon right now as a pre-order. By the way, did you guys notice the plug right there? That was <laughs> go to Amazon and pre-order Game Changers. Thank you. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, it is I did a daily satisfaction with life metric. It was how much energy do I have? Do I like my relationships, my, uh, my job? Just is, is life good or not? And I tracked this every day for a year and tracked it and compared it to frequency of male orgasm and came up with data to test some old Taoist equations. And it turns out there is all sorts of data you can get if you take what you know, whether it's how rested and recovered are you um, from your from your ring or just your observation of do I like things? Yeah. Uh, as long as you track it over time, you can correlate it to all sorts of things, probably including what you had for dinner, yep. uh, including how much social interaction you have. And you start to realize the things you do in your life affect the quality of your sleep and the totally. things you do in your life affect the quality of whether you like your life or not. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's scientific papers, numerous of them sort of correlating mood and quality of sleep, right? Um, for sure, there's lots of hormones that are released during, you know, when you sleep and uh, a lot of them do have to do with emotional balance and cognitive balance as well. So that makes a ton of sense. Um, we've seen it actually from our users just, you know, when you asked me earlier, you know, how are people using the Aura Ring? Um, well, 
people are starting to realize that actually if you eat, you know, a pint of ice cream before you go to bed, um, you end up having, you know, low heart rate variability, a high resting heart rate. Most people won't get, you know, that great deep sleep or REM sleep. And, you know, as a result, you sort of feel like crap the next day. And so I think, um, you know, you will start to realize that it's actually your lifestyle actions, right? You know, you know, what did you eat last night? When did you eat last night? Did you drink, you know, that do have an impact actually on how you sleep. And part of that can be just also cumulative stress. You know, you could be in a stressful relationship. Um, you know, you could have a super stressful job, right, where you're really not jiving with your boss. And, you know, those things are going to have an impact on your sleep and then vice versa. It's that unfortunate negative snowball that, you know, if you're getting a poor night of sleep on top of all this other stress, then the next day is just going to be that much harder. Uh, beautiful. And thanks for being on Bulletproof Radio. All right, let's get going. Today's guest is a huge challenge for me because I am going to attempt to say a name in Finnish. Are you guys ready? <laughs> His name is, here we go, I'm gonna say this right, Petri Latella. Petri is the CEO and co-founder of Aura Health. And he's a serial entrepreneur with 25 years of experience. I'm really interested in having Petri on to talk about monitoring yourself. And the reason I think that you'll care about this is that when you can get a little bit more data, particularly around sleep quality, it totally tells you whether what you're doing works. So welcome to the show, Petri. Thank you very much. Very nice introduction. All right. It's honor. It's honor to, to be here with you today. Oh, thank you. And I appreciate that you're uh, dialing in on this call from, uh, from Finland. And so for me, it's morning, but for you, it's evening. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If we would follow our chronotypes i think it should be opposite uh, i think so it's it, you, you're I, having in, in the mean in the evening and i in the mornings so. are you one of those disgusting morning people <laughs> <laughs> i'm a question. liar yes I'm, I'm a liar yes uh, and i i just have to say you know we've all heard that the early bird catches the worm uh that 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 common aphorism but the mm. second part of that never gets repeated and it's that the early bird works for the late bird i'm just saying Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so there is no moral superiority from waking up early or waking up late. It's just about your yeah. chronotype, right? And that's uh, exactly. that's a cool thing. Yeah. All right. So let's get back to this cool tracking stuff. You're getting heart rate variability reports from just wearing a ring, and they show up on your phone. What what does that tell you? What what can you get from heart rate variability this way? Yeah. So first of all something about heart rate variability. Of course, you know a lot about it, but uh, for listeners, that someone who, who doesn't is, is not so familiar with that, heart rate variation is, is something that it, it's so sensitive, a parameter, that basically everything in your life affects that. So it's, it's really important to know the context when you can measure it. And, and so that you are not affecting subjectively or, or with some stimulants uh, to the actual reading. So our perspective is that the most valid time to measure your heart rate variation is during the night. Yeah. So when you, when you sleep. So, this, so the ring calculates HRV for each five-minute period. So it measures every beat and the time between the heartbeats, and it calculates over the five minutes periods, uh, it, it calculates the heart rate variability, and then it shows that um, 
average value there uh, in the app. In the cloud API, cloud, cloud UI, you see actually the whole curve over the night. But through, through that, and especially as a trend of, so how, how your heart rate variation is, is varying over the time, that's really important information. Like along in, in relation to your sleeping patterns, how they change over the time. So it tells you the direction that how, how your autonomic nervous system is tackling with, with stress, different stresses in your life, mental and physical stressors, whatever, it's always a combination of those. So you can, you can get a good indication that, that where are you are heading, heading to. So you can use the aura ring to tell you when you should apply stress that makes you stronger because you have less of the stress that makes you weak. Is that a, is that a good way of explaining mm. it? Yeah, definitely. So this is really important in, in relation to stress because many people have kind of negative annotation to, to stress. And definitely it's not negative. We always need some stress to perform at our best. So Usain Bolt, when he's on the starting line of 100 meters, if you would measure, he is in high stress situation. But the, the effect is that you get the best out of yourself that way. So, so that's why basically we don't talk about stress because uh, many people have, have negative association to, to stress. So we, we have turned the coin upside down and talk about readiness. And, and so, so through the HRV as one of the parameters, you can see what is a good day, good day to, to stretch your limits and, and really push forward and what are the days to take it easy. So that, that's why you would care about heart rate variability because it's going to tell you how much unconscious stress is my body under and then you might decide, all right, I'm going to figure out what this is. Maybe you have a chronic low-grade infection, which is a common source of stress. All right. Nightly temperature is another thing that I've been fascinated with forever. Talk with me about why tracking your temperature changes at night would be important. Yeah, it's so... Temperature, as you said, is really interesting parameter. So especially during the night, like basically all the kind of bio signals we make we get during the night, they reflect what's happening in our life during the day. So our body is is giving it its response. But in relation to temperature, um, it is inside our biology that actually human body reaches the lowest body temperature during the night. All of us humans, we are around a few hours of window around 4.30 a.m. when we reach the lowest body temperature. And with the ring, we actually get about 0.07 degrees centigrade resolution of your body temperature reading and the variation during the night. So we can really accurately detect uh, what's the lowest uh, body temperature for each night and then we as a trend we show you how it's variating between the nights when you're looking at a finger or a wrist this is not near the core and you're supposed to like suck on something get a rectal temperature or maybe an armpit temperature for full accuracy and some people get cold hands especially when they sleep 
How are you able to track temperature from a finger? Yeah, actually, um, as you know, when you go to sleep, the core temperature is pushed to the peripheria. So, so uh, that's that's what happens. It's biological thing and, that needs to yeah. happen when we go to sleep. And in fact, you can't go to sleep with cold feet and cold hands. Your body won't let exactly. you, right? Most people don't know that. So if your hands are really yes. cold and warm, you have to warm them up. That's why blankets are helpful or a warm bath. Yes. So there you go. So yes. thanks for saying that. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So that's that's one of the things that has to happen so that you can you can get to sleep. And and there's quite a high rise of temperature when you go to when you just lay down and you're prepared for sleep. If there's enough melatonin, the hormonal balance is for for sleep. So then then uh, the skin temperature starts to reflect the body temperature, and then then they start to get closer to each other. And then when you reach the lowest body temperature then the skin temperature is the same as the body temperature. So, so that happens during the night. And uh, so um, that's one thing. And that's actually the, one of the basic things for detecting your chronotype. So the Aura Ring is, is the, basically it's, it's the only product in the market that can detect your real chronotype and then reflect back to you. Can you talk about what happens with your nightly temperature if you're a woman? What does it do during the time you're ovulating? Yeah, actually, yeah, we, we have validated that we can, we can see and we can show the menstrual cycles and even, even detect the ovulation times. Uh, so at least it's very useful for females to see the menstrual cycles accurately there in the app. And then, then they can do what you mentioned in the beginning the female athletes especially they can really concentrate on those exercises that are good in in that phase of their menstrual cycle so i'm not that deep in the biology itself what's happening in different phases but it's anyhow a reflection of of the hormonal balance that is changing changing during the period so females are so let's say beautiful creatures we males are kind of a dull in that sense. That <laughs> our variation in ho- our hormonal functions it not it's not that interesting or it's it's not that big uh, like like females. So they are beautiful creatures in that sense that that is needed for for fertility and and uh, for many other things. Kind of a, what it can reflect and, and in relation to your sleep and readiness, how your menstrual cycles are affecting them. So there are plenty of different kind of insights that you can derive from that. What's your take on EMF and, and biomonitoring? Like we don't want to break our bodies because we're monitoring them so much. Like kind of walk me through yes. your thoughts. Yeah, so so definitely that's that's very important thing that we've taken into account from the very beginning of, of designing the product. That's one of the reasons why we wanted to make it completely standalone device so that it doesn't need your mobile or anything else to, to be able to do all those things that it does. So all the algorithms are running inside the ring itself and it can store the data for three to four weeks without having connection to the mobile and still you have all the data. So that was the first thing. But it can't track the data for three to four weeks without being powered, right? It yes. just stores the data from yes. a few nights? You, you just, yeah, you just need to uh, chart it. Okay. But it con- continues to store the, the data and calculate 
everything. And, so and you charge it basically every two days. It needs what an hour of charging. Yeah. Yes, okay. yes. Or if you if you charge every day, it's 15 minutes or so. Okay. So if you just keep it charged, you don't need to connect it to your mobile. It, it continues storing the data for three to four weeks at least. And then you get all the data. So that was the first, first thing. The second is that um, that we wanted to minimize the time that, that the ring is communicating with the mobile. Bluetooth was the only kind of a acceptable way for us to, to do yeah. that. And, and we we minimized the time that there is the communication between between the ring and the mobile. The the longest time of that communication is in the morning when you when the ring moves the the, the uh, transfers this sleep data to the to the app and for the visualization it takes about forty five seconds or something like that. That's the longest time, and then the rest of the day. If you don't switch it to the airplane mode, then every now and then it it uses the advertising mode to check that whether the mobile is is there or not. And, and about how frequently is that? It's uh, if you think about twenty four hours, it's less than one percent of that time. So okay. it's it's very very rarely. So compared to wearing a set of Bluetooth headphones around your neck that are turned on that you're not talking on, it's far less than that. Or if you use Bluetooth headphones for a 10 minute phone call, you're, especially in your brain, that's not a great idea. Yes. Uh, but it's, it, it's very small compared to that. Yes. And also in the power levels, we wanted to minimize that. And we use, it's, it's less than one milliwatt. Normally, like, like your cell phone, Normally, the output power is, is typically between 1,000 to 2,000 milliwatts as yeah. peak, and approximately 120 to 220, 240 uh, during the call. So it's huge difference there. So, so if, you're, if you're listening to this and you keep your cell phone in your front pocket by your junk, even if you're not on the phone, you're getting tens of thousands of times more EMFs than you would get from an Aura Ring. All right. So we've talked about electrical pollution and how you've addressed it from the design. Something else we didn't talk about, and I'll be really straightforward. I have never worn any tracker for more than about six weeks. They they just get irritating, and the value of the data isn't high enough to justify continuously charging and downloading and syncing and all this stuff. But this is the first device I've been able to wear for more than six weeks. I'm like, oh, I'm still getting good data. It's not that much work. Uh, I look forward mm. to charging it less and all that, but the amount of thought and management required is very, very low, which is why I thought I'd have you on the show, just because, hey, I, I think you guys kind of crack the code because you get more valuable data in less work and with less inconvenience. So like the equation is there that I would tell my mom to wear this ring and I wouldn't tell my mom to wear any of the stuff that I've worked with previously. So I, I think you guys mm. move the needle from a just from a consumer usability perspective, and, and that's actually hard to do, so kudos. Yeah, yes, that's right, yes. So our retention rates also show that we have really committed user base and we highly respect that because uh, that's the way for us to, to get to know all everyone as, as users and the uniqueness of every, every person. So the longer term data that we get, the, the more we, we can learn and more we can, we can customize the algorithms to, to bring in more value. Well, I, uh, I think you guys are doing something uh, pretty special here, and I, uh, I appreciate it. All right. If you enjoyed today's episode, uh, you know what to do. Do something to make yourself more self-aware. 
and you may decide you want to incorporate some tracking tech. I've been doing it, geez, for like 20 years now, and it's it's made a huge difference just in me understanding when is my biology doing what I want it to do, when is it not, and whether or not you, you choose this piece of technology or, or something else, or just to wake up and say, how am I doing right now? <laughs> uh, things like that are, are so profoundly important to, uh, to just, doing what, uh, just doing what you're here to do and just not wasting that, that precious gift that is, uh, you know, that is your life here. And I, I've had so much change in my life by just knowing what's going on in there that I couldn't see and making it visible. And this is one of those many, uh, many pieces of technology in addition to the practices of meditation and awareness and all the other things you can do. So if this is valuable for you, great. And I'd encourage you to share it with someone. Have an awesome day and I'll see you on the next episode. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.